You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. appreciate everybody being here today, whether you knew I was speaking or not. Um, my neighbor, Mrs. Farley, is here. She's been here before, so appreciate you being here. I uh, also want to say that there are, there is exactly one half of the Manos uh, people, uh, young, young men here. There's eight out of 16, so... There is a reason you are here today. <clears throat> so I appreciate you guys being here as well. Um, whenever, whenever I do a sermon, I always have that slight little doubt that um, I'm supposed to be giving this, but God did give this to me. And all I ever ask for is that one person get something out of this. So we're going to get started. So selfishness, anybody know what selfishness is about? So what is it and why am I talking about it today? They're a different type, this is definitely a different type of topic that uh, I expected to get, but um, I know we do a lot of scripture and stories, and, but this one, uh, this one really hit home. And yes, there's a certain reason uh, that today is the day. There's two parts. This will be the first part about being selfish. And uh, the second one will follow fairly quickly. So what is selfishness? Webster says, concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself. Seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage or pleasure or well-being without regard to others. So do you know anyone like that? I certainly do. Because I was that person at least one time in my life. Synonyms. Reason I bring this up is because there's so many different words for that one word that we may or may not recognize it. So we have to understand uh, that there are different words for the same meaning. Egotistic, self-centered, self-loving, complacent, conceited, prideful, proud, vain. So be careful with uh, the words that you use, uh, especially proud, because our Lord God doesn't like proud people, uh, gets us in trouble. Have, yourself, have you yourself been like this? How do you treat others 
like this? Do you treat them with love and respect, even though they're rude, even though they're selfish? Just ask yourself that. How about rude and ungodlike? You're going to meet those people all the time. But do you still treat them with respect and love like the Lord wants us to? I have been there, and I'm certainly not here to judge you. But I'm also, I'm, I'm actually here to inform you of my past so that others can understand and prosper through God. This subject here is not real hard for me to talk about anymore because it's been quite a while. Some people know this, some people don't. Maybe I was wrong, but I did not invite my parents here tonight because I know, or today, because I know my mom gets very, very, very emotional about this. But I'm okay talking about it because I am so, so far gone from this place that um, I try to use it as a tool to teach. So 2011, what happened on July 19, 2011, that 10 years tomorrow. And that's why God wanted me to do this today. Today's actually my birthday. I don't know, 107, something like that. I, well, whatever I am. <coughs> 56. Today, 10 years ago, I decided that I was actually going to start treating my wife correctly. I was going to start living the life that I wanted to with my wife. And um, I had told uh, my family this. We were actually trying to get together for something. Uh, I don't know if it was my birthday then or not, but uh, dinner or something or whatever. So I had told some one or two of my siblings and the comment was well you better tell mom okay what does that mean why up until that point probably for almost a year I had made a lot of terrible decisions I made a lot of self-righteous decisions very selfish decisions up until that point I didn't really understand selfishness until this particular incident happened. Um, it was all about me. Didn't matter who I hurt. Didn't matter what I, what what was there. I was just all about me. And people from my youth and high school years, um, I don't think they either didn't see it or I wasn't like that. But this particular time for almost uh, a year, uh, it was all about me. Whatever I could do to um, satisfy my, myself. And then I met Pastor Hub and several others at uh, uh, Hurricane or whatever it was back then, um, 
And I think it started a journey that I didn't understand for quite a while. Um, had a good time, uh, but I was still all about me at that point. So then I decided to figure out what to do, get back with my wife, wife treat her right, and she was attending CCF at the time when I made that decision. Proverbs 18, 1 to 3. One who separates himself seeks his own desires. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. A fool does not delight in understanding, but in revealing his own mind. When a wicked person comes, contempt also comes. And with dishonor comes taunting. Have you ever been selfish? Have you realized what you've been doing? I believe people don't realize that they are doing these things. Why? Because the enemy has them. The enemy has a grasp on them. And they don't realize what's going on. Do you know anyone like this? Does this sound familiar? For yourself? So why does God allow this? Anyone have any, any answers to that? Why does God allow something like this? It's because of free will. He gives us free will to do what, what we do. He gives us the guidance, but if we don't listen to it, don't see it, don't want to do it, he still gives us free will to do what we feel we need to do. But this is also typical behavior of a man apart from Christ. Typical behavior. For me, it was to wake me up and show me what I am supposed to be doing through him. My free will got me into the mess. But God pulled me out. Next scripture, Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry. There's a whole, whole list. 21, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's pretty strong if you ask me. So where does this leave us? Will we not inherit the kingdom of God? I believe we, everyone, most everyone, hopefully everyone in here, will inherit the kingdom of God. But if you're not saved... You're not going to. If you know somebody that is not saved and is, as we're talking here, selfish, self-absorbed, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And as I was writing this, I thought, another place where you're going is going to be a little warm. And we don't want anyone 
feel that. So why would we even want to do that? At this point, I had no idea, at this point in my life back in 2011, I had no idea to what it would like being get, uh, getting saved. I had no idea. You can't hear me? Can you hear me now? Maybe it's a need to talk louder. I believe God existed, but I didn't believe in God. Hope that makes sense. Obviously, I still do, but I had no clue how good he actually was. Next scripture, Proverbs 21, 24 to 25. The proud and arrogant person, the mocker is his name, behaves with insolent fury. You know somebody that just goes off for no reason? 25, the craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. I used to be like this, proud, full of anger. 25, verse 25, it says, it would be the death of him, and his hands refuse to work. May mean physically, may not. In my case, my hands refuse to work to become a believer in God and save my marriage. As I was preparing for the sermon, it hit me that I didn't want to work on my spiritual life or my marriage. I was so self-absorbed, I couldn't see any of this. This is Paul to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, 20 and 21. Yes, I am afraid that when I come again, God will humble me in your presence, and I will be grieved because many of you have not given up your old sins. You have not repented of your impurity, sexual immortality, or immorality, and eagerness for lustful pleasure. 21, 20, oh, I'm sorry, I should have read 20 first. For I am afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find, and you won't like my response. I am afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. And that's when it goes into 21 and says, I'm afraid to come, that when I come again, God will humble me in your presence and I will be grieved because many of you have not given up your old sins. So how selfish is that? You want to live by God, but do not rid yourself of your own sin. Is it okay to give yourself to God, but not live by his will? I knew God. I went to church before. I was going to heaven one night. Nah, no, I wasn't. So many are like this. It can be hard to live through God. It can. 
but it can also be simple if you want it to. Psalm 5, verses 4 to 6. For you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With you, evil people are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies, the bloodthirsty and deceitful, you, Lord, detest. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. So a lot of people who are selfish, who conceited, not humble, don't know God, they make a lot of excuses. They make a lot of reasons to run away. But those who know God want to stay. So this is the last statement on selfishness. We're going to get out of the negative and we're going to get into the positive. I don't want to be hated by God, do you? I mean, hate's a strong word and I really don't like using it, but it is in the Bible, so I do use it on occasion. So in verse 6, it says, you will destroy those who tell lies. Certainly not the side of God I want to be on, getting destroyed. So now look at the, let's look at the opposite of selfishness. This is really more of a fun, fun subject to uh, teach on. Opposite is selfish, altruistic, benevolent. Charitable, self-denying, self-sacrifice. So now I'm going to get back to 2011 and uh, let you know how this all started. So I don't remember the statements, and I truly believe that God blocked them from me because it's not worth revisiting. But one of my siblings said something, and the very next day, it was a Tuesday, July 19th, I had just turned 46 years old. I was working at Turkey Old Dairy. I was a driver team leader. I went in at 3 a.m. Usually I would stay till 1, 2 p.m., try to get my work done. But I was only scheduled till 11 a.m. So 11 a.m. came, I said, I am out of here. Guess where I went? Liquor store. Bought me a nice bottle of Jack Daniels. Went home. Started thinking. I let the enemy get inside my head. Big, big, big time. So I started drinking out of that bottle. Turned the computer on started writing, wrote a lot of stuff, started drinking some more, decided to go to the cabinet where the medicine was. 
took out two bottles of pills. And by that time, my motor functions were pretty well shot. I spilled the contents of both bottles on the counter. Took some pills on the, that spilled on the left side. Drank some more, wrote some more, drank some more, another pill. Drank some more, wrote some more. I didn't realize right away, but I reached out to one of my sisters. I think it was Karen, my oldest sister. I wrote something to her. I texted her. She started to get worried. Texted her back. She tried to call. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I said, see you on the other side. Turn my phone off. Took some more pills, drank some more alcohol, wrote some more. Next thing I know, I'm sitting on the couch. Can't move. No motor functions. Can't see, can't even open my eyes, can't stand up, can't walk, can't do anything. <laughs> the only thing that I could do, believe it or not, is I, God opened my ears that I heard every single word as clear as could be. Stacy showed up, dogs going crazy, cops showed up, ambulance showed up. I'm trying to communicate, my arms are flopping around. Now imagine somebody bigger than Art, police officer, uniform, gun, everything. I didn't see him. She did. And I'm doing one of these as they're trying to communicate, and she, he said, ma'am, does he have a background in violence? And she said, no, he doesn't. Well, I find out later that he was ready to take me down. And this is all because I chose selfish motives to live by. So now we're going to fast forward to getting a ride to the hospital, staying at LGH for a little bit. Then I got transferred up to the Ephrata Hospital. I was there for three days. And I knew the second day that I didn't want to be there. Why was I there? So I finally got out of there, and I'll never remember or never forget the, uh, my dad's statement. My dad is a very black and white person. It's a yes or it's a no. It's not, never a maybe. Either you're right or you're wrong. You're never on the fence. He looked me straight in the eye at, while I was at the hospital in Ephraim, and he said, Dan, I will never understand what's going through your head. I don't understand mental disease, but I will do everything in my power to help you get through it. And I remember that all the time. I do. <coughs> so now I got out of the hospital, I get home, just going through a whole bunch of stuff with work and everything and losing my, losing that particular job because at that point, since it is attempted suicide, and it's on record, 
I lost my CDL license for minimum 12 months. So now my salary was this, now it's this. And I have to find a job at the dairy, which they were kind enough to help me out with. But now back to where I was. So I got home from the hospital, I sat around a lot. God really started working on me, but I didn't quite know that yet. Stacy continued to attend CCF. And at that point, I started to understand how strong she really was unwavering and I thank God for her every day it was almost a month after I got out of the hospital I said to Stacy I need to go to church she says well you know where I go so I decided to attend a month after that I got saved so September 2011 I ended up getting saved Now, did God judge me? Did he judge me? No, he didn't judge me. He had mercy on me. I really thought God was judging me, but no, that comes later. He had mercy on me. I didn't realize what God has for all of us. He has a plan. And as t-shirts say, there is no plan B. There were so many things he wanted me to do. And I'm so much better now than I was. So here's some of the things that I've learned. So everybody knows John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his, uh, his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. But have eternal life. But do you know the next verses? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does believe stands condemned already. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. He does not want to condemn, which is just as important as verse 16, where he sends his only son. So who am I? So who am I compared to anyone else? Son, dad, brother, boss, co-worker. As some people know me, Dan. Some people know me as Danny. Some people know me as Lieutenant Dan. Believe it or not. I'm also a husband. So who am I compared to all those who have saved, who are saved and those who are not? Next slide tells us why. To what length will the good Lord go to save us all? So how far will it go? Am I a good example? Are you? So truly, where are you at with your life spiritually? 
Next slide tells us how far God will go for you. Luke 15, 3 to 7. Then Jesus told them a parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. He'll call his friends and family to rejoice and have a party for one person that was saved. One person. It says he rejoiced. He was joyful. So was he joyful when you were saved? Was he joyful when I was saved? Be joyful when you find somebody that needs saved and you help them along. Do you get excited when you help save a lost soul? James 3.13, if you are wise and understand God's way, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. We need to search for humility. We need to pray, seek God in all we do. So what is better than knowledge and wisdom other than God? Philippians 2, 2 to 4. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness in mind, let each esteem let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also the interests of others. We see in three it says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. So now think of your own life. When somebody says something to you and you get angry, how hard is it to be mean? How hard is it to be deceitful? Sometimes kind of easy. But let me tell you something, it wears you down. Yeah, right. Wears you down a lot. Yeah. And just look at me 10 years ago, where did it get me? Yeah. All that deceitfulness and dishonesty and wanting to do what I wanted to do, I said, I'm done. I do not want to be on this earth. But God has so many more plans for me. I'd much rather be humble and helpful. Luke 5, 31 to 32. This is one of my favorite scriptures. 
Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Tells me a whole lot. When Jesus was on this earth and he was looking, he was not here to help those who, he was here to help anybody that wanted help and everybody, but mainly those lo the lost souls, those people who were sick, those people who didn't understand him, didn't understand God, didn't understand where they were going. Jesus shows us no matter who we are, how we act, or how we think, he still loves us. But as he says here, it is not the healthy who need a doctor. And I was one of the sick. Now I'm trying to be my best, do my best, and be one of those who seeks out the sick and heal through God. Proverbs 2, 9 to 11 then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Again, we see here that we will understand what is right and just. Wisdom and knowledge enter your heart and understanding will guard you. We really, really, really do need to get into the Bible and read. We need to constantly be soaking in God's words. And we also need to pray. This is where the knowledge and the, the wisdom come from. Nowhere in, in, in that Bible does God preach and accept selfishness. Almost done. Luke 21, 14 to 15. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you the words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. How powerful was that? Somebody starts talking to you and you're like, I don't know what to do. Lord, give me the words, and he's going to give them to you. Now, how many times did Jesus on the mountain, and, and the enemy was right in front of him, the enemy would say something, and Jesus' response, for it is written. It is written, which means we have to read to understand what is written. If we read and pray or seek God in our own way, the enemy cannot win. And I am truly blessed. It's hard for me to understand why people look at me as a leader, and I truly believe that. Even though it's been almost 10 years, I still feel really young as a Christian. And I'm not even sure why these events took place, but I accept them because it was what God wanted me to do. Soon after I was saved, 
I don't even know if I was attending the church for six months and Pastor Head said, you want to do the announcements? I'm like, these people don't know me. Who am I? Why am I getting this privilege? It's all God's plan. Then Deb came to me one day and said, would you want to be on the nominating committee? I'm like, why? I mean, I'm such a young Christian. I'm not coming to the church very long. You know, I'm still learning. And she said uh, God told her to. So I accepted it. And the one that really blows my mind is when I was asked if I wanted to be nominated to be an elder. I truly, truly, truly didn't think I was ready for it, but after a lot of prayer, I accepted it, and I've been an elder for quite a while. I don't even know how many years now, but it's been awesome. Now, I know I feel this way, such a small part, but yet more important than I know and understand. I believe a lot of people feel that way, but even if you do feel that way, you're staying humbled before God, and God will show you exactly what we're supposed to be doing. See, even though I wasn't close, but yet I was close to actually dying for being selfish, God had another path, and I do my best to be humbled by our sovereign God. So I hope this story provides wisdom to those who still seek the Lord. Somebody is here that needed to hear this. I don't know who. You can keep it to yourself. You can say something. That's up to you. But I know somebody's here to hear this. So repent. Give your life to the Lord. Have no doubts. Seek the lost soul. For God will give you willingly the knowledge and wisdom to seek. And ask for it. God will deliver your prayer in his time. God has a role for each person. Find your role. But truly, I am blessed. I thank you. Thanks, Dan. Hey, would you guys stand with me? Band, will you come forward? Just come real quickly, please. Get in your spots. I know we ended a, quite abruptly on that first set because we weren't quite sure what to expect. We do have a couple, maybe even three songs yet to play so we can worship. But before we do that, band, if you'll just come up as fast as you can so we can move along. I have two things I want to say. Dan, I want you to hear this. You have always wondered why God has moved you through the ranks so quickly into different positions in the church. One word, humility. It's your humility that allows God to do that. God promotes the humble. God withholds and resists his grace from the proud. Humility touches God's heart, and he will bless you tremendously. Secondly, I'd like everyone here to close your eyes. Old school. Close your eyes. Don't look. Close your eyes. If you're here today and you heard what Dan was sharing and you know that, hey, you don't know the Lord. 
or you're not sure that you know the Lord, you're still in that pre-Christ state, would you please raise your hand good and high? Those whose hands are up, I want you to see me after the service. Please don't leave without seeing me after the service. Thank you. Now I'll take just a few seconds to get the guitar tuned, and then we're going to enter into worship. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.